Today's program is brought to you by Brooklyn Slate Company, a manufacturer of slate cheese boards, coasters, and other fine items. For more information, visit brooklynslate.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. and welcome to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today we're coming to you live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. You can listen to the show live every Thursday at 11 a.m. on heritageradionetwork.org or download the podcast on iTunes. Today, I'm so excited to start a new season with a twist. This year at Heritage, we're breaking the year into shorter seasons, each one with a theme. So for 2014, I'm spending the first season focusing entirely on interior design. I've spent a lot of time on the show interviewing the amazing makers who inspire me, but I'm really looking forward to talking to people who have the skills and the creative ideas to bring all those pieces together. From my favorite interior designers to expert space planners and startups, this season is going to be all about embracing the full picture of interior design. Today, I'm so thrilled to have Noah Santos with me. Noah is the co-founder of Home Polish, a fantastic new company that offers users a nationwide network of talented designers that they can review, contact, and hire for everything from small jobs to huge renovations. For so long, the world of interior designers has been really closed off to people like me or anybody else without a massive budget. And it was incredibly liberating to find a group like this that was trying to make interior designers, especially really young, cool ones, accessible to anybody with a computer. I'm so excited to hear about how this idea came about, how it's working so far, and where Home Polish hopes to be in the next few years. So Noah, welcome. Thanks Thanks so much for for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you because I feel like I used to work at House and Garden and I've been in a couple publications where I sort of had brief moments of being a part of that kind of like fancy pants design Mm -hmm. world where people could hire designers and have somebody choose flowers every day for them, (laughs) like that kind of world. And it's so nice to see how the internet has kind of affected the world of interior design. And I think Home Polish is such a fascinating example of how it's really liberated the world of interior design. Um, What inspired Home Polish from the get-go? Well, I think I I started out in interior design, and I think what, what really inspired the idea for Home Polish was uh, my friends. The idea that, you know, I could provide these amazing services to people who had a huge budget, but then my friends who equally deserved and wanted to love where they live didn't have access to someone who would help them. That really was kind of the impetus behind starting out Home Polish. And I like that. I think a project like this has to come from somebody who's incredibly passionate about interior design. And I was reading your bio before the show, and (laughs) you described yourself as the type of kid who grew up clipping better homes and gardens for fun, which reminds me so much of my coworker, Max, who used to collect Martha Stewart (laughs) magazines when he was in high school. Um, Tell me a little bit about where you grew up and what your experience was like at a young age with design or sort of the artistic community. It was, it was, I, I have an interesting background because I think I, I, I grew up in Hawaii and I, I was born and raised on the beach. So it's kind of funny because now in New York, it's so design centric and in Hawaii where I grew up, I mean, you put furniture wherever you need furniture <laughs> in, on the beach and you just sit on the sand. So interior design doesn't actually have such a, a strong hold in uh, where I grew up. But for some reason, I was always fascinated by it. I think I was fascinated by what happened beyond the beach. And so I would always clip and, and put things in notebooks and whatnot. And then it kind of, you know, I, I got caught up in, in a bunch of other things, ended up studying business as well as architecture. 
but there was always this like yearning to go back to creating homes and spaces that were much more intimate. And when I when I was taking architecture, one of the issues that I was having was that you you kind of lose a connection mm. to the singular person when you're working on big projects. So when I when I moved to New York after graduating. And I got a job in interior design. As soon as I started, I was like, this is where I belong. <laughs> <laughs> and what was that first job that brought you to New York? So I worked for a high-end residential design firm. Uh, and I got the opportunity. I, <laughs> I came from you know, a, a pretty modest background in, in Hawaii. And I you know, went to Stanford. And when I went to Stanford, I was like, oh, my God, such a glamorous world. And then <laughs> after four years there, I was like, okay, this is too slow. I got to go some, someplace else. So I came to New York. And as soon as I got this job, I was like, dunked into this world of billionaires and mm-hmm. I was like I have never experienced people with their own planes and <laughs> and it was very interesting at first but then I just you know as I started to experience it more and more I was like wow this is such a there's such a huge potential for creating someone's home for them mm-hmm. because it, it it there's a lot of spillover effects it's not just about a home it's about how proud you are to entertain friends, how mm-hmm. happy you are coming home every day from work. There's so many spillover benefits when you have a place that you love that that really was, I wanted other people to be able to experience that. I think that's a really great way to describe it. I think one of the things that I've been sad about watching interior designers become like less available to people sort of in my niche is that it's a really valuable connection to work with somebody who is an expert, but also kind of imparts their own wisdom on you. I feel like everybody I know who's worked with an interior designer who's really invested in that sort of professional input, they come away knowing so much and you kind of become friends with that person who comes in and like transforms your home and gives you like the knowledge and the power to create a space that you really love. And I think that's kind of what's special about your business as you're bringing sort of a a lot of them are like younger, really hip, like right. super cool designers, the type of people that I think young people would want to hire to work in their homes. And I think you're also giving these younger designers a really great like launching pad to bring their careers like to life. Right, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, when when we bring on designers we we bring them on with the understanding that it's a lot more than just design. Mm-hmm. It, it really is about a friendship. It's about a relationship. And and I think, you know, we our designers we bring them on from some of the top firms in the country, and they're really excited because they finally get a chance to own the design process with someone. And and I think it's it's in a way it, it's really quite wonderful because you're we're we're essentially connecting people and helping foster that relationship, providing the support on the client side as well as the designer side. Because Home Polish really isn't just about matching people. It's not like, you know, you match apples to apples. Mm-hmm. It's, it's much more about, you know, we're a design partner with you. And, and that partnership extends beyond just picking a sofa. It's about shopping around the city or, or helping you deal with contractors. And there's so many parts of it that we hope that there does, you know, foster a friendship beyond just design. Absolutely. Well, speaking of friendships and partnerships, I want to talk about your business co-founder, Will Nathan. How did that partnership um, come to life and how did that sort of spawn the actual creation of the company? Sure. So after I left the design firm I first started uh, at in New York, I start, started my own company kind of tailored to the young New Yorker. And in the process of, of getting press and whatnot, Will actually found me through a friend of his and he had just moved and bought a, a home in Chelsea and he's, he had such a hard time finding a designer that when he found me, he was like, my gosh, I can't believe that this isn't easier for, mm-hmm. for me. And, you know, he didn't have a, what is known in d- the design world, it would be a small budget. But yeah. anyone else who has ten or $20,000, I mean, that is not a small <laughs> exactly, budget. Exactly, <laughs> I know, yeah. That's not something that, you know, should just be thrown around. Yeah. So 
he was very frustrated by the fact that he couldn't find people easier. And so when we started working together, it went so well, and we had such complementary personalities and skill sets that we had a discussion. We're like, why, why can't we just make this bigger? And, and that's sort of how Home Polish started in June of 2012. I think it's great when a business springs from like a real need in the niche. And I feel like as I've been blogging for 10 years now, and I feel like still the main question I get asked on a regular basis outside of paint colors <laughs> is like, can you recommend an interior designer? Right. And for the most part, I couldn't because I had, I mean, as someone who has a lot of experience in this industry, I have no idea how to find really great but somewhat affordable interior designers and especially young ones like and for the most part i kept saying like see if you can hire like this blogger because this person <laughs> has great taste and that's it and you know those people exist but you don't really know how to find them and i found you guys because we were looking to make over our office and one of your designers and a friend of mine shelly sparks was like you've got to talk to home polish right. like this is fantastic you can look at people's work and figure out somebody that seems like a good fit and they'll work with you and it's for the most part worked out so wonderfully for us and it's been this <laughs> great match to work with somebody who's like young and fun and cool and who you don't feel guilty being like yes like to put ten thousand dollars into our office is a lot for a small business but you know in the grand scheme of fancy interior designers that's like a drop in the bucket so i feel like (laughs) yeah exactly i mean literally and so it's it's been so lovely to to feel like you guys are filling this very very empty niche of like young people who have a little bit of money but for whom that's a lot of money but who want to have like some professional input and i feel like you've made it very easy for people to kind of pick and choose from a menu what works for them um i'm fascinated by the way you guys have structured the business talk a little bit about how you decided to structure like how people chose a designer and how they purchased time with that person sure i think it's really really important for us First of all, we, we only bring on the top designers um, in their respective cities. And we're in six different cities as of right now. How are you choosing designers? I'm curious so about that. We have a pretty rigorous vetting process. Um, they have to apply and then they have to go through a series of interviews and, and onboarding and insights and insight sessions and whatnot. Um, we, we choose them based on their, their work as well as their, their just their ability to communicate. I think you know, in design, mm-hmm. it's a lot more than just having a skill set. It's about really understanding how to relate to someone. Mm-hmm. Because I think one of the, the tenets of Home Polish is that, you know, when you sign up for Home Polish online, we, we are the ones who match you with a designer based on the scope of work, based on your style, any information that you provide us. And so it's really important for us that our designers are able to translate your personality into your home. Because, uh, you know, I think for a lot of celebrity designers, for lack of a better term, it's really about you hire them for their look. And your lifestyle kind of kinds of molds around their aesthetic. And I don't think that's how design should work. I think you shouldn't try to make yourself fit into a d- aesthetic box. It should be about the designer getting to know your lifestyle and mapping it around that. Um, in terms of how y- we work... I think one of the really important things that even, even I think, quote-unquote, affordable interior design services um, a lot of times don't get right is they don't align the incentives of the client and the designer. And for us, one of the big pieces was we don't charge markups or commissions because we don't want your designer walking into your home to be incentivized to make you spend more money. A- and I think that's such a fundamental piece of the business that, that high-end firms just aren't able to, to capture. Um, so from the get-go, you know that you know for my budget, my designers is incentivized to make my money go the mo- you know work mm-hmm. the most. 
So I think that's really important for us. And then it's just a matter of a designer comes into your home, spends an hour getting to know you, and then suggests an amount of time that they think it'll take to the project. And you have the option to buy that time in increments. I think that's great that you can buy increments. I think yeah. that's incredibly <laughs> valuable for like a younger consumer. And that's frankly like the mass of the blog market are sort of youngish homeowners or renters who have a little bit of time and maybe they think they have more of a budget than they do until they can sort of work forward a bit and then maybe take a break and come back or just do a part of a project. And I think another really fascinating part of what Home Polish does is the program that you have called Swatch, which is like a product yeah. um, discount program. Um, I think that's a, a very sort of 21st century thing to, <laughs> to add to the design market. Tell people a little bit about what Swatch is. So as we've grown in size, um, you know, we have over 100 designers now. Uh, we've been able to approach vendors who, you know, normally both those who, that normally extend design discounts to designers and then some who don't, even smaller vendors who have never really worked with designers before. And we've been able to negotiate a design discount that we can then extend to our clients. The whole, the, the whole idea is that with Swatch, we're hoping to create even better interiors for the same amount of money that you would have spent anyway. So again, like because we don't charge markups and commissions, our incentive is to get the lowest price possible for every single one of our clients because then we have more money to to take the home further or we just save our clients money, which is yeah. a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's fantastic. I think, I mean, I remember sort of in the Domino era, the original, very first version of Domino era, when it came out, I remember there was this sort of weird clash of like recommending uh, like trade only goods, like designer goods that regular people like just literally did not have access to and you needed to hire an interior designer for, but you still were going to end up paying like the incredibly expensive cost right. plus a designer fee. And I think this is a really interesting addition to your business because it allows someone to purchase valuable, but like much more affordable time with a designer to then work towards getting some of these goods that they wouldn't have access to in the first place. And I think so much of what you're doing and I'm hoping the general trend in our market will be is to move towards making so many things more accessible to people. Because I think the more people understand about design and making their home represent who they are, it benefits the entire industry yeah, because absolutely. I think the more people have like an understanding of products, the more they understand why they're worth investing in, which to me as a, a writer is important because I think people often don't understand how much time goes into making really high quality goods and how much time goes into being an interior designer and why that's right. an incredibly valuable thing <laughs> to invest in. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, I want to talk about the design industry as a whole and how you guys have used the internet to your benefit. So we'll be right back with Noah Santos from Home Polish.
Brooklyn Slate Company is a collaborative effort from Brooklyn graphic designer Sean Tice and Parsons graduate student Christy Hedeka. After visiting Christie's family slate quarry in upstate New York in the spring of 2009, the two grabbed a few pieces for use as all-purpose boards back home in Brooklyn. They found a number of purposes for the slate and began gifting pieces to friends. The response was so overwhelmingly positive that the two struck out to produce a line of slate products. They now make regular trips to the family quarry in upstate New York to hand-pick their favorite pieces of black and red slate. Some of the slate is sourced from the quarry graveyard, a collection of odd-shaped pieces that were ultimately destined to be ground for use as road cover or baseball diamonds. They then transport the pieces to their studio in Red Hook, Brooklyn, where they do additional cutting and clean the stone to be food slate. Every single piece of packaging that comes with their products, from the envelope to the burlap bag, can be repurposed for other uses. The end result is a product completely unique in cut, shape, color, and overall presentation. For more information and to order, visit brooklynslate.com. Welcome back to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today we're speaking with Noah Santos of Home Polish. Before the break, we were talking about sort of the business structure, but I want to talk a little bit about how you get the word out about a new business like this and how you guys have used social media. Because for me, I mean, I, I found you guys through my friend Shelly, but I think I started following you on Home Polish and, or on Instagram. And mm-hmm. I think that's been such a valuable way to find like particular interior designers and particular aesthetics. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about how you guys have used the internet or social media in particular as a way to sort of get the word out or connect maybe with new designers that you want to hire at some point? I think first and foremost for us, you have to concentrate on the the product itself. So the first thing we, we concentrate on to get the word out was the quality of the service. You have to have amazing designers and you have to treat your clients like they more than give them more than they expect. Um, I think for, for social media, it's really interesting because it's such a Instagram, especially um, and, and, but as Pinterest as well, it, it's such a visual medium that that those kind of social media outlets lend itself to interior design. Um, I think for in in terms of word of mouth, an, a, another thing that really helps is that we treat our designers really well, and so they themselves are spreading the word. So actually, we rely on a lot of our existing designers to recommend designers who they think would be great additions mm. to the team. So there's a lot of different avenues that we've kind of started to to develop to get the word out. I think that's great. I think it's really nice that you guys are kind of bringing in friends of friends and yeah. designers and things <laughs> like that, because I think that all those people that are trusted, it's a huge, va- valuable resource. I think we're working with Amanda Gorski through you guys, and Amanda's been so valuable in terms of bringing in like contractors and people mm-hmm. like that, that I don't think regular people like me have any idea where to <laughs> hire like a really good person to like, you know, prep your walls and like fix stuff that I, it's beyond sort of my DIY wheelhouse. And so I think it's really valuable to have somebody like that who comes with their own sort of huge collection of people they trust they've used before and know how to handle in terms of like right. actually managing a project. Um, what's the hardest part about running this business? Like what's the biggest challenge you guys have come up against so far? I think one of the biggest challenges, it, it, actually exactly what you we were just talking about, is managing those external contractors. It's making sure that the contractors that were, whether it's upholsterers or, or we're knocking down walls or doing entire renovations, that those guys have the same attention to detail and commitment to quality that we have. Um, and we really rely on our designers to make sure that they manage that process. And then when necessary, Home Polish also steps in. I mean, we work with specific individuals in in a lot of cases especially for our larger projects mm-hmm. because we know that that they're committed to a, a high level of quality and that that you know our clients even though you may not be spending a lot of money you still 
want the best product. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm also fascinated in the sense that you guys are working with so many different designers and you get access to so many different projects. Like, what an interesting way to analyze the design scene right now <laughs> that must be. What are some of um, the big trends you're seeing in homes? Like, are you seeing people, like, there are a lot of requests for brass fixtures or a lot of requests for, like, textiles? Like, what are, what are you seeing in terms of trends in houses right now? I think a, a big trend that I'm actually particularly excited to see is sort of a movement away from, say, the traditional rule book, which is mm. I can't mix woods, I can't mix metals. You know, I, I think we're, we're getting a lot of interest in, in brass, a lot of vintage pieces, and just the, the idea of, of freedom when you're designing. And I think that's something that Home Polish really stands for at the core is you don't have to make your home look like the latest issue of a magazine. You should make your home look like something that reflects you. It should essentially be you unloading your closet. I think one thing that's really interesting in New York and a lot of metropolitan areas is people spend so much time meticulously putting together their outfits, and then when it comes to their homes, Mm -hmm. they kind of hit a brick wall. So with our designers, we like to say, you know, they come in, they kind of unload your personal style, take a look at what really it means to be you, and then then we don't necessarily need to follow a rule book when like, oh, you have to match your table to your floors. And, and, and I think it's just that freedom of like self-expression, which mm-hmm. is great. I think the aesthetic that I've seen in a lot of the homes on the Home Polish site is such a really great reflection of at least what I've been seeing for the last few years in the industry of people really being happy with like perfectly imperfect homes in the yes. sense that they don't look like El Decor, not everything is symmetrical, <laughs> like there's not like a coordinating pattern on every different surface. It's very much like a real house with real items that somebody's collected. And I feel like for the most part, I've seen your designers do such incredible work that feels relatable. And I feel like our community has been through this huge swoop of like wanting to see these perfect houses that are like completely Mm -hmm. unattainable, but inspiring in the sense that like, Oh, one day I hope I have that. (laughs) But I feel like it's really changed in the last like three or four years. And people want to see homes that are beautiful, but that are real. And you can tell that real people live in them. And I feel like from all the portfolios I've seen on the home polish site, you guys have really kind of nailed that idea of like, we're not going to come in here and make this the designer's personal style. We're going to make this like the best version of this homeowner's personal style possible i think one thing that's been surprising to us and to others who, who have who, who've learned about home polish is that the majority of our clients are actually renters mm-hmm. and most oh, people right most people who rent do not typically hire an interior designer and they're like you know we always get oh i'm gonna hire you guys one day when i mm. own but for me what i learned before i even started home polish was renting an apartment i saw as more of an opportunity to explore my style because you're only going to be there for a year or two. You don't have to invest a ton of money in, but you experiment as you go along. Mm-hmm. Because one day, when you buy that amazing townhouse and you have $100,000 or half a million dollars to spend on it, you're going to want to know what you like and what you don't like. And even for me, I've moved three times since being in the city. I actually enjoy moving mm-hmm. because I get to, to start over. I've learned that what I thought I liked is not actually what I like. And so it's really interesting. I think that learning process is something everyone should go through, even if it's the small, a very small space. What's the sort of process that, I mean, I'm sure every interior designer has a different idea about this, but as sort of a larger brand, what's the process you think homeowners should go through in order to discover like what their personal style is? Do you have sort of a, a range of questions that you ask them or how do you sort of get at the core of what somebody's style really is? I actually think that you can learn a lot from people's style in the, mm. the small bits of what they collect. A lot of people come in and when they meet their designer, they're like, oh, don't worry about all this stuff. We can put it in boxes. <laughs> like, don't we'll worry. Hide all these, like, you know, the things they collect when they travel and whatnot. Yeah. They're like, oh, no, no, we can put all of that away. And, and for us, it's like, no, 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 that's what shows us 
what re- it means to be you. And so I think it's looking at the small details because most people, you know, they'll they'll concentrate on on the details of things, but when it comes to buying a big table, they get nervous and they just go with something standard. So you're not going to learn much about someone maybe by like a dining room table, but by the stuff that's on their bookshelves mm-hmm. or on their coffee tables, you'll learn a lot and you can use a lot of what's existing in a room. That's what's great about not charging markups or anything is that a designer comes in and there's no incentive for them to get you to throw everything away. Mm-hmm. You may have a great chair, it just may not look good against the wall color and the rug. It, you may be able to keep a lot of the things that you have in your home, but you can have a completely new look just by changing some of the software elements. That's such a great point. Um, in terms of people changing things and what they're maybe overlooking, what do you think is the biggest mistake that you walk into and find in, in renters' homes? <laughs> like, are people afraid to take risks? Are they like holding on to things that they think are trendy because they're trendy? Like, What's sort of something you run into that you find people haven't really quite learned past that yet i think i'm i I think we're really trying to open people up to the idea of painting Mm. i think people are afraid of color so they kind of do an accent wall and i'm i'm not a huge fan of accent walls (laughs) that's a running theme in our office is the (laughs) accent wall is a thing we hate (laughs) it's kind of like a semi-commitment and and what happens is i think when you paint you know most people like i rent I, i but they don't realize that like Painting isn't terribly expensive, especially when it can dress up the rest of your room without mm-hmm. you having to buy anything. So getting layout down and painting the walls, it instantly takes your home from a renter to a lot of people walk in if you paint your walls and they're like, oh, did you buy this? Do you own this? Mm-hmm. And that's a great place to be in, I think, in, in, in a city. Yeah. And it's funny because, I mean, I've been a renter and I think I've been in like seven different apartments in the 10 years that I've lived here and I've painted every single one of them <laughs> except for one. And the one I didn't paint just never felt like my house. Right. It just always felt like, oh, I just live here temporarily. But every other one that I really invested in like painting things myself or like, or picking like a, a bold color makes such a huge difference. And I right. think to have, sometimes people just need somebody else to come in and say like, you want a pink wall that's a great idea like you should try it i mean what's the worst that can happen you paint over it it's not (laughs) the end of the world or what pink you know yeah yeah exactly i think sometimes people just need like an extra sort of like pat on the back or a little bit of a nudge to just say like you can do this that's not so scary it's not the the worst thing (laughs) you could do um i'd love to know sort of how you think the web has affected client requests i feel like um in the blogging world we've definitely seen how pinterest has made people so much more aware of like what options there are Mm -hmm. and what types of things they they can request have you seen um, the internet kind of affect, at least just in the last couple of years, um, how people are sort of coming to the table. Are they coming with pre-planned Pinterest boards to hand their designer? Like, has that affected things at all? Yeah, I think we're at an interesting point in technology where people have such a huge access to information. And so they do. They come to the table with a lot of what they like and what they don't like, a, a better understanding, which I think before you could only get from magazines. Now you have sort of a limitless amount of information on the inf- uh, on on the web whether it's pinterest or or design sponge or or, or whatnot uh, and actually i prefer that i think it's always better to have clients who know what they like and what they don't mm-hmm. like and so we encourage that we're like you know when we meet with a client we're like hey if you have a pinterest board please send it along like mm-hmm. send us any items you like or send us the one king's lane pieces you've bought i think yeah. that's a really great it's great we enjoy that rather than like i think the old industry thrived on the idea of of non-transparency and you yeah, you didn't have much. access to where you wanted to get that table and that's why I could charge you so much mm-hmm. whereas nowadays if you show someone a $5,000 table they're going to go on one king's lane and they might be able to fi- find it for a thousand and exactly. we're like great we got 4,000 more to work with now <laughs> exactly and I think that sort of accessibility used to be seen as such a like 
tool to keep people away from a certain part of things. And I remember working with interior designers where it was like, well, no one else will have, or very few people will have the same fabric because it's trade only. And I think the idea of exclusivity is kind of been thrown out the window and embraced instead by the concept of like just customizing things and then yes like this particular side table is very popular right now but you might be working with an interior designer who has the foresight to like upholster the the top of it or paint a different color and i feel like that's sort of a really open-minded and very like positive way to sort of move forward in terms of like the interior design community as a whole because it just makes everyone happier and i feel like if it exposes more people to design you create that many more clients I always say vintage items are the ultimate custom piece. Yeah, exactly. Because they have a history and, and it's also, you know, it's very sustainable. Why remake things when you can get things that are, have, been a, have, have a history to them and have been made amazingly well already? Yeah, and I mean, there's so much, you add a story to a piece when you yeah. customize it. And I think that makes any house so much more special. And I remember when I was first starting out and um, the Future Perfect had just opened in Williamsburg. And it was the first time I saw people like on the Upper East Side <laughs> investing in like chandeliers that were made from found materials. <laughs> and it was funny to watch these people who would typically spend like $20,000 on a piece of lighting, buying stuff that like someone had collected on the street and then put together. Right. And granted, it would be beautiful. But I think it's just funny to see the way people have embraced changing what they bring indoors and what they value as something they would put inside their house. Um, We're just about out of time, but I want to uh, glean some good New York City resources from you before we go. (laughs) For people who are listening, um, I want to know a couple of your favorite spots. If someone's in New York for 24 hours and they're going to go on their personal Noah Santos tour of New York, what's your favorite place to eat? What's your favorite place to shop? And then what's something that you think people have to see if they're visiting that's like a visual inspiration? Oof. Uh, favorite place to eat would be Shabutatsu. Oh, good choice. Oh, my God. Um, so, so good. I'm like all for Japanese food. <laughs> so Shabutatsu is great. Um, favorite place to shop? Mm-hmm. I, for home goods. For Let's home goods. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I think on the weekends, I really love the Antis mm-hmm. Garage. I think there's something for everyone there. And whether you just want to buy something for a loved one at home, I think that it's really amazing experience. It's so It's so very New York as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what was the last one? Something you think people should see that's like a visual inspiration, whether that's a museum or like a really gorgeous garden. What's a place that you go to if you kind of need to be inspired visually? For visual inspiration, I'm, I sort of, I sort of am a very much a homebody. So mm-hmm. I actually stick within like, I love Madison Square Park. I love going there because I think it's one of the parks that people don't pay much attention to for the most part. And it's kind of like a, a neighborhood feel. I, you know, I live in Manhattan, so it's getting that neighborhood feel yeah. is kind of nice. And then you don't want Gramercy Park, which is like gated. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather have like <laughs> to be allowed in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would like that park. If someone would give me a key, I would enjoy that. Skyline as well. The, yeah. the, the, uh, sorry, the Highline Park is also like where I want to just stroll mm-hmm. and I just want to think then I go there. That's a great choice. Well, Noah, thanks so much for being thanks here for with us me. today. And for all of you listening, you can check out Home Polish at www.homepolish.com and we'll be back next Thursday. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.